providing tips and guidance to help you grow your business. You're listening to the Advisor to Advisor podcast, advice for advisors from advisors. I'm Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, and I'm glad you are uh, taking some time today to listen to Advisor to Advisor, where we come to you talking about real practical financial planning advice. And of course, myself and my co-host here have been financial advisors for 25 years, listened to Barron's Top 100 uh, for several years and uh, lots of other industry things. And essentially, we were um, a large firm, and we've uh, helped coach hundreds of other advisors throughout the years as well. And uh, today... uh we, I'm, I've been looking forward to this podcast because we have Dan Sullivan from The Strategic Coach. And Dan Sullivan, when was the first time we went to, back to see Dan, Scott? Well, Dan, I think we first met with um, Dan back in... Um, yeah, it's like 18, 19 years ago, 17 years no, ago. No, it was in the year 2000. We, met, we went back and joined Dan's signature program back in the year 2000, became part of uh, The Strategic Coach. Um, made quite a few changes back in 2000. It was life-changing for me because I did not have a work-life balance. Uh, it was almost non-existent, my work-life balance. So I, I it, that's what I got from the strategic coach was this idea that I could have a work-life balance. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people think of a business coach as someone who's just going to help you make be more uh, profitable in business. Um which Dan has certainly helped us with that. But uh, yeah, I, I, this, the traditional program is very helpful. Uh, I've also um, uh, was part of the 10X program last year. This year I'm in Dan's Game Changer program, and we're um, uh, super excited about, um, about really I think what, what Dan can help bring to the table. Well, Dan, thanks for uh, taking some time to be part of Hanson McLean's Advisor to Advisor today. Glad you're with us. Yeah, that's a- Thank you very much. And uh, we, you, you know, we were sharing with our listeners, um, I think, the help that we both had from your coaching program. And you've, you've coached thousands of financial advisors over the year, haven't you? 1974, that's when I became a one-on-one coach, Scott. And um, just by happenstance and really fortunate happenstance, uh, in the first two years that I was a one-on-one coach, um, um, three or four very, very prominent financial advisors in the Toronto area. So my home base is Toronto, originally from the States, but, uh, uh, you know, I have dual citizenship and I operate both out of Toronto and Chicago. Uh, but the, the, um, among my, let's say my first 10, uh, really great clients that I had were four, four who were really at the top of their field in the life insurance industry. And, um, and then gradually, you know, I, uh, through them, I started to, uh, network outwards and, um, you know, started to get people, uh, you know, who in those days were called stockbrokers. And then you had, um, uh, you know, you had lawyers who were very gifted uh, in financial structuring, mostly succession planning and mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So right from the very, very beginning, I had a, a very, very good model of what the financial advisor industry looks like at the level of the most successful 
individuals. And I'm talking people who were making a million dollars in the 1970s. So this, uh, you know, you can do your uh, currency conversion over a 40 year period and you can appreciate where they were with their businesses and their careers. So that that's really my start. And then it was a great networking industry because financial advisors, almost more than any other industry, will share what's working and what's not working with um, other advisors because of the different organizations, different study groups, different, um, you know, the different uh, ways of getting together and uh, learning about their industry. So that, that was uh, really a very fortunate way for me to start my coaching career. And today, Dan, you've got over 100 employees. Is that correct? 130 right now, yes. 130 employees. <laughs> as, of, as of January 1st, as of January 1st, yes. And how many entrepreneurs have you had come through your programs? Um, we're just pushing 19,000 uh, okay. right now. That's I impressive. Mean, we, keep, uh, keep, we keep track of that. <laughs> and one of the things I appreciate about uh, Dan Sullivan and the strategic coach is uh, he's, he's not just a business coach that has ideas, but he, he's lived it. So he's went from one employee to two employees to three employees to 130 yeah. employees today. And you're, you're not just about having people be more successful at business you're, I think you're great at helping helping people have some clarity on what's important to them and helping them achieve success, whatever success means to that person. Is that it, it, fair it's, to say? Scott, I can tell you from personal experience, Pat McLean here, that from personal experience, it was helpful for my marriage uh, and my family life because I was focusing on uh, what I thought success was, which was business and money. And that's a part of success, but that is not success in and of itself. And the strategic coach actually taught me to, to, to kind of put these things in priority and actually made me a lot more money because it focused me on the things that actually really matter in business and taught me to ignore the things that don't. So thank you for that, Dan. So, Dan. Well, uh, I mean, uh, it's very crucial what, uh, what you say here, uh, Pat, because uh, first of all, um, you know, Scott, you talked about my own personal experience of being successful, but I've also had a lot of personal success of being a failure and uh, a couple bankruptcies and a divorce and actually had a divorce and a bankruptcy on the same day in 1978. And it's because I wasn't leading a balanced life. Um, I didn't have my priorities in order. So, you know, I mean, uh, I've got the scars to, <laughs> to actually talk about uh, the difference between not uh, conducting your life in the right way and then, you know, getting a, a clear picture of what what's really important at the center of my life. And what's important at the center of my life is the complete integration of growth in both ways, you know, both uh, business and also personal. And so, you know what I've we've noticed is financial advisors, our industry tends to be a very profitable industry. So if someone can, once they kind of survive a little time in financial industry, it tends to be pretty profitable. But I've also noticed that so many advisors in our industry, uh, their lives are more controlled by their business, their practice, than they control mm -hmm. their business or practice. Um, have you yeah. seen that, and why is that? 
Yeah, and I think it's worse today than it was in the 1970s for a lot of different reasons. Um, one, uh, you know, I can list, I know you sent me an impact filter, and I had about an hour to think about uh, some uh, thoughts that were going to be uh, of use to you for your um, advisor to advisor podcast. And if I can mention three shifts that I've seen, because I've been, um, you know, in touch with the industry since the 1970s. So I've had like a 40, almost 45, 45 year span of observing. And I think, uh, I think to be a good advisor today uh, is more difficult than being a good advisor uh, 40 years ago. And the number one thing is the sheer amount of regulation and compliance that advisors have to deal with, uh, which um, affects their marketing uh, most of all. It's hard for them to market, a lot harder to market today. And the other thing is the um, the sheer amount of technological um, uh, you know uh, capabilities that they have to have. Uh, to feel on top of their business. And I think the uh, the third one is just the difficulty in actually getting in front of new prospects, simply because in the 1970s, if you phoned somebody using a landline, there was a 50% chance that you would the person would pick up the phone. And now you have to go through layers and layers chance. and layers. <laughs> Screening, you know, so uh, on the one hand, uh, you have to become a much better marketer today. But on the other hand, the compliance rules and the regulations really um, make it difficult for the average advisor to actually um, project themselves out into the marketplace in such a way that they can come to the attention of just the target people that they want to talk to. So we, this is the some changes you've observed meeting with thousands of advisors. What what current what new threats do you see over the next few years that advisors should be concerned with? Well, I think the uh, the robo advisor one, you know, where you got artificial intelligence program uh, programs is something that you have to take into account here. That a large part of the market, certainly at the low end, has been completely removed by artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, you can see this with Schwab. You can see this with Ameritrade. You can see it with a lot of different things where there's actually algorithms that are like apps on people's phones, and they can just do a lot of the thinking um, you know, uh, that uh, advisors used to do. And um, I, I think that that's going to become a dominant force. Uh, and therefore, um, you know, probably a whole section of the marketplace that used to be available to advisors is going to be taken away. So that's uh, that's one that I'm noticing a lot. Now, what this does is it means that advisors who are not good at relationships uh, should think about uh, becoming a plumber or becoming a carpenter because those are highly paid industries. Those are going to be more highly paid industries in the in the future. You know, I mean, things still break down 
plumbing doesn't work, electricity doesn't work. And, you know, if the advisors have children and they're thinking about four years of university, I'd say get them in, you know, get them, uh, you know, get them really embedded in some trade that people are always going to need. And then if they want to branch out from there. So I I would say that's the big one. And just the sheer complexity of uh, changes that are taking place. Uh, as a result of legislation, for example, the tax reform, you know, I mean, this is a major, the time an advisor gets to the end of the implications and the changings of the tax reform in the United States, it's going to be like an MBA program for them to get a handle on a lot of the um, real yeah. opportunities that are available. So, you know, so just if just mentioning those two things, the artificial intelligence technological side of it, and the other thing is the reform uh, as just a separate category. I think I think these are big things, and the average advisor, you know, is kind of lost in all this. And you work with advisors who at least. Um, are trying to better themselves and their businesses. That's why they sign up for your programs and come to uh, Chicago or Toronto or some other city once a quarter and think about things and plan and whatnot. Um, but what uh, what kind of fascinates me is there's some that seem to have a great amount of success. It seems to be relatively easy. They have well-balanced in their lives. And then others that um, never seem to kind of get out of first gear. Yeah. What makes the difference? Because you've you've with nineteen thousand entrepreneurs that have been that you've coached. Um, what are some of the things that stand out? And are these just traits that you're born with, or are these things skills that one can learn? And can you meet someone early on in the produ- process, Dan, and predict uh, <laughs> and predict whether they you think they're going to be successful or not? Yeah, um, uh, and we have some, I mean, first of all, our screening process, um, as I'm sure that uh, Scott, you and Pat uh, have done a better job of screening. And what I mean is that you've gotten very, very clear about who you're looking for and who you're not looking for. And um, the earlier in an advisor's career, they, uh, um, you know, just do a... um, uh, best and worst comparison between the type of individuals. I'm just talking about human beings here that they actually like working with. Uh, uh, and it's really, you know, it comes down to that the one permanent escape that I, uh, that advisors have um, throughout their career is that they have a phenomenal ability to relate to a certain type of person where magic kind of happens when they sit down with that person. And there's other people, it's, uh, you know, you can tell within minutes of meeting someone that this isn't going to go anywhere. This is just not the kind of person I like to operate. So I have a, you know, I have a platform. I'm looking for individuals who have really big ambitions, okay? And, uh, you know, and they're never going to stop growing. So I look for that. I look for people who take risks in putting aside what they've been doing in the past, and they're interested in new ways of thinking, they're interested in new ways of doing things. And so we have a whole checklist of the person that we're looking for because we don't want to waste their time, uh, and we don't want to waste the time of our team, and we don't want to waste the time of the other 
um, uh, you know, participants in the strategic coach program. So I think that we've gotten better and better at that. And anytime I talk to someone like yourself, Scott and Pat, I've noticed that you've done the same thing in who you're, you're not looking for everyone in the world. You're just looking for, uh, you know, you, there's 7.5 billion people on the planet. How many do you need? You know, you need a hundred, 200, 300, whatever it is. And they, that you have a track record of being really great in terms of relationship and working relationship and problem solving and creativity with a certain type of person. So I, th- I think that's the thing you really have to get down to first. So, but you still have people come through your program, right? You do a lot of screening. I think that's, it has clearly been helpful for us when years ago we said, who is it we want as clients? Let's go find those people and uh, let's kind of ignore the rest of the world. Right? And the rest of the world will come in, but you're not focused on them. Yes. And yeah. n- not everyone yeah. has to. And not, that would be, go ahead, Dan. And, that, and that, that would be true for anybody in, you know, anybody in the world. Uh, uh, and the, the strange part about it, uh, uh, you know, Scott, and you've gone through this exercise in the 10 times program that. Uh, you, um, you 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 do kind of a set of characteristics based on your experience of best and worst, and you go around and uh, I usually break it down to about eight characteristics I'm looking for, and you know I've got my and then I I use that those characteristics as a filter for looking at my existing client base, my existing prospects. And, you know, uh, certain people, you know, they're they're clear winners in this and others, you know, it's just going to be a lot of hassle dealing with them. But then when you use those same characteristics and you grade yourself on those characteristics, you discover that who you're actually looking for really resembles yourself. But, you know, it's interesting that process uh, and you've got a tool that leads you through that process. I, I did it with our advisors. We had an offsite to 20 plus advisors. I had them all complete one of those, uh, thinking about some of their, their best clients. And then I gave those to our marketing department. I said, De- develop all your marketing around these characteristics, right? This is who we're, we're, we're looking for. And so yeah. you, you obviously, get, when, let's say you, you start a new program. You've got, let's say, 50 individuals, entrepreneurs in, yeah. in the group. Yeah. Uh, three years down the road. Uh, some are going to make tremendous progress in their life, both their personal life and their business life, and some aren't going to have much progress at all. Yeah. What's the difference yeah, and there? I would, uh, well, uh, there's a number of distinctions there, um, and, uh, you know, there's a, a, a very old, uh, you know, this goes back 30 or 40 years, a motivational speaker in the United States. His name was Charlie Jones, uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones. You could tell he was an American because he <laughs> called himself Charlie Tremendous Jones. You know, if he was if he was in Canada, he would call himself um, uh, Charlie O.K. Jones. Uh, you know, if he, hey. if, he, if, he if, if he was in the U.K., he would call himself Charlie Getting Above Himself Jones. You know, but Americans, uh, you know, can lead with uh, you know can lead with uh, uh, Are you saying uh, bombastic? Are you saying bombastic? No, no. Uh, you know, uh, Americans, uh, Americans who really enjoy being Americans understand that relationship and uh, teamwork and selling are crucial to personal 
uh, per, and you got to have to you have to put yourself out there so that people know you exist. Yep. And I, yep. you know, I'm an American. Mm-hmm. I, I was born, you know, I'm from Ohio, a farm boy from Ohio. And I came to Canada in my late 20s for a job. I was a, a copywriter with one of the big um, international agencies, BBDO. And uh, the moment I got to Canada, I noticed that, you know, being successful as an American in Canada uh, is kind of like being a shark at a beach party. You know, you just see nothing but uh, opportunity. And uh, and so there's a, there's a natural advantage uh, that Americans have as marketers and salespeople. And it's just uh, I, I think it comes with your mother's milk. You know, you just uh, it, 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 America is a sales and marketing country. And uh, so that's that's the thing why it's so important to know who it is that you're marketing and and selling to. But uh, the biggest thing I notice, and this is a real and, you know, you're hiring advisors and you're working with advisors. Who do they hang out with? And Charlie Tremendous Jones said who you'll be 10 years from now is a function of who you hang out with and the books you read. You know, and I'll just zero in on who you hang out with. So here, here's a, an example, and um, and you've seen this many times. I have a, a person who I've sized up, has big ambitions and all the rest. But when you look at their home life and who their family is and what their neighborhood is and who their friends are, uh, then none of them support where this person's ambition is going. So they'll come to a workshop, they'll get very, very excited, and they go back, and at the workshop, they're surrounded with people who are like them, and so they get enormous amount of support for what they're talking about and what their goals are, but they go back home and there's no support whatsoever. And they will make progress because of the program and because of the environment that we create at Strategic Coach. But we know that the moment that they leave at 5 o'clock, get on the plane and fly back home, they go into an environment that does not support their dreams. And there's a point where they're becoming too successful uh, uh, for their environment back home. And that, uh, and I tell my salespeople and I tell my program advisors, I said, if they say yes, 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 yes to everything that you're presenting for strategic coach and, but they don't sign up, you know, they don't come into the program or they've had really good success in the program and they don't renew and come back for an even bigger, uh, level of growth the next year. I said, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with them, and it doesn't have anything to do with the program. It has to do with who they hang out with back home. You know, that's really that interesting. That is insightful. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's amazing. So basically, you, you think a great deal of this has to do with their external support and who, who's in, what influences yeah. they have in their life on a daily basis. And is that fake it till yeah, you no, make it? No, no, no. Yeah, nobody is cheering back home when they, you know, they increase their income by 50%. You but, know, but, the, but, but something about being an entrepreneur is, is getting to the point where you're pushing forward and, and nobody really cares anyway. And you've got this great dream and you got to sell it on others. But we all have egos, Scott. We all have egos. We don't, we, regardless of how we display our egos, we still have egos. Of course. We still want our parents to love us. We want admiration. Yeah. 
What about some of your, your people you work with? Um, I mean, it seems to me, particularly the older I get, the more I realize I need a good team of folks around me. And I also like working with other s- smart, energetic, talented people as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if, uh, if you have a way of demonstrating that you're smart, you attract smart people. Well, I suppose that's uh, one way to put it. And how do you go about demonstrating? Yeah, no. I've always wondered, Dan, how would I do that? Uh, well, uh, uh, you know, we have a concept in Strategic Coach called unique uh, unique ability. And uh, anytime you're in your unique ability, and in my case, I have three. One is that I'm a good coach. Number two is that I'm really good at coming up with new thinking processes uh, for successful entrepreneurs. And number three, I'm a good marketer and sales per, uh, person. And if you trailed me around for a couple weeks and said, what's Dan doing on a day-to-day be- basis, it never goes outside those three unique abilities. I, I'm not involved in the running of the 130-person company. I'm not a manager. Uh, I'm not a not someone you would want in any management position in an organization. But Creating a great program for entrepreneurs, I'm really great at, and I'm fortunate in who I married and who I teamed up with 35 years ago that she's really great at putting organizations together. So I I needed this other skill, and um, you know we're lifetime partners, and uh, it operates in the business world and also in the personal world. And Dan, Dan can we speak to that unique ability real quickly? Recently, we had someone from your company come out, two people, in fact, and spend a day with our management team. Our leadership team. Our leadership team. uh, Going through a unique ability process. In order to help us learn how to work together better. um, And understand each other more. Yeah. And actually, what I learned from that, I knew what my unique ability was. What I learned, I knew that all along. I've known it forever. But what I learned from it more than anything else is that I should try to avoid anything that isn't my unique ability. No, it's toxic. It's terrible for not only me, but the people I work with. Well, the other thing is that when you're not in your unique ability, um, you're a bad influence. How so? Well, yeah, for example, I mean, uh, I'll just use my own example, and you can relate it to yourself, that, um, you know, when I'm doing what I'm doing with you, see, this is part of marketing for me. You know, I mean, first of all, through your podcast, you're exposing me to a lot of people I wouldn't otherwise meet, and some of them are going to be interested in strategic coach. So this is, uh, I love podcasts. You know, I have six series of my own, and I have a standing offer, and I have 20 possibilities during 2018 where I can be a guest. And you're the first one. Yeah, here we are. We're on the 5th of January, and you're the first uh, guest appearance where I'm being a guest on your podcast. And podcasts are just one of the greatest communication vehicles um, the, that I've seen appear over the last 40 years. And the reason it's like having your own radio station, and it really costs nothing to run the radio station. And you could so, target it exactly know, who you want to target to, as opposed to broadcast to everybody who's listening. Yeah, it's narrowcast. And I only. Yeah, and I only accept invitations from people who are in the 10 Times program. You know, in other words, I know who they are simply because they're participating at the highest level right now in strategic coach. And so far. So this is uh, is a slam dunk. I mean, uh, I mean, this is, 
you know, this is a huge, huge um, gift that you're giving me that you're allowing me to talk. No, no. And I, I mean that seriously. I mean that seriously, that uh, you're doing me an enormous favor by having me as a guest on on your uh, podcast. And uh, the fact that there's two of you makes it double, you know, the two of you talking here. And so, but this is a this is an important uh, time period in my calendar when I saw in my calendar that I was going to be interviewed by Scott and Pat on their podcast. I said, God, this is a big moment of the week. So, and so why is, is it to- uh, this- but back to the question, why is it toxic to, to work outside your unique ability? Well, first of all, because I'll give you an example. Let's say you have Dan in an accounting meeting and we're going through the numbers. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I dread the meeting. Okay. Uh, I have no energy for sitting for a half hour, an hour, looking through spreadsheets and everything else. I have a blackboard. I don't have an office. And this is the other thing, you know, which is worth, I haven't had an office for 25 years because I noticed that my office, first of all, it was always messy. You know, it's a very disorganized, you know, I can be in it for two days and it looks like a wreck. Okay. And then the other thing is I noticed I would go to my office to hide from opportunity. Okay. And I, I think financial advisors do this. So anytime they're in their office and now out, out talking to a prospect or client is probably a complete and total waste of a resource. And namely that their ability to sit with people and talk to them about their financial futures, not just their financial futures, but their futures, period. Life, yeah. And and so what I have is at the office here in Toronto and also in Chicago, we have cafe that's available for all the uh, team members. The one in uh, Toronto is like a 50-person cafe, and I just have a table in the cafe, and that's where I hang out all day. If I'm not in the studio, I'm down in our recording studio uh, right now as I'm talking to you. And uh, because there's only three things that I do, I'm either in the workshop coaching, which is uh, between 45 and 50 days out of the year. So that's handled. I'm in the and I'm just doing 100 percent what I should be doing or I'm in the uh, cafe and I'm designing. I'm working with uh, I was working with a cartoonist. Uh, today, because I produce a book every quarter, a small book every quarter, and they're cartoons. So I was, and he's 1,200 miles away. So I spent an hour with him. I was in the recording studio doing three new podcasts. With uh, this is an inside podcast that we have called Inside Strategic Coach with Shannon Waller. Was it Shannon who came out and worked with you? Was she one of the no. team members? No. Oh, okay. Who was it? Christy. It was Christy. Um, yeah, Christy, who came out and Great worked job. with your team. Yeah. Great job. Great yeah. Job. And so I had three 20-minute podcasts that go out to people who have been in Strategic Coach and to Prospects. So I did three of those this morning, and then I worked for an hour with my that I was working with um, my uh, anime, uh, the who does multimedia, and I was putting a new module in for a future workshop. And uh, but all three of those, Dan is just in his unique ability because I'm good at all three of those activities. And this year I was I'm 73 and I would say that the greatest progress I've made about just doing what I'm supposed to be doing has been made 
from my seven, uh, 72nd birthday to my 73rd birthday. I really? mean, I'm, I'm in the, yeah, I'm in the total sweet spot right now. I hope you live a long time. Oh, I, I am. Well, you know, my, you know, my goals, yeah. you know, my goals. Yep. Uh, yeah. What age yeah. are you going to live to, Dan? 156. Um, yeah, I, yeah. And you take you take a lot of time yeah. off as well, right? So, because I think a lot of people look at the and, and I don't want to put the term success uh, that successful life looks like this, but I think a successful life is when somebody has, is clear on what they want out of life and then can accomplish those objectives, right? So, you take a lot of time off in addition to a, a successful. How many how many days yeah. off will you have in 2018? Well, we have 365 to work with, so you start the year with a number of days. Uh, you know, every once in a while you have a leap year, so you get an extra day. <laughs> but and, relative, uh, it's relatively <laughs> constant, though. Yeah, yeah, it's per- fairly predictable. Fairly predictable. I never, I never, I never get caught by surprise by a leap year. You know, uh, <laughs> and the. The, the the thing about it is, you know, in financial advising, if the savings don't come off the top, you know, I mean, just looking at savings and investments, when a financial advisor is working with a, you know, a, a client, uh, the savings have to come off the top because if they don't, there are no savings That's if right. they come off the bottom. I, tra- I treat free time with the same mindset. And that is that Babs and I, Bab Smith is my uh, my wife and my business partner, and she takes a year ahead and she looks 12, 12 months ahead and she said, okay, we have 365 days to work with. We're going to take 155 right off the schedule right now, and that's going to be three days. So I, my working year is 210 days. So if I'm going to have a better year than last year, then it's got to be how I use the 210 days that are available. And then those two days are broken into front stage days. Um, this is a front stage activity that I'm doing right now because I'm connecting with you. And then the workshops obviously are uh, front stage days, but the other is backstage days. I'm in the recording studio. Uh, you know, I'm working with the artist. I'm working with my writing team and everything else. That's backstage day. So front stage days are the days that produce money. Backstage days is where you prepare yourself and the materials with the new ideas that uh, will then be presented front stage. And that the other thing is I have 15 other coaches, so I'm producing materials that the other co- – the big multiplier in our pro- program is not so much the money that I bring in, although it's greater every year. The real money is I've got 15 other coaches who are coaching more than 2,000 other – We, uh, you know, I do about uh, – let's say I do 45 workshops a year, but the – other coaches do 450 other workshops. So I've multiplied myself like you have with advisors. Yeah, I, a good financial I've advisory multiplied. a good financial advisory firm is actually very similar to how you're you're structured. Yeah. Where there's a lot well, of communication yeah. and people get attracted to the firm and Well, guess what guess where I got the idea? No, I I modeled I modeled strategic coach on how really great financial firms oh, work, did? you know. Oh, well, oh yeah. 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 Yeah, but I I did it in an unregulated industry. Yeah, yeah, I know that's the one challenge we all. One yeah. of the things you spoke to. Well, Dan, I certainly. And the other thing. Go ahead. 
And the other thing, I establish a rule that all the money comes in first before I do anything. So I've got a no receivables business. Uh, that was the lesson from my second bankruptcy. <laughs> Get paid first. <laughs> Actually, I hope you don't learn anything else through a bankruptcy. Yeah. I hope you're done with that sort of expensive learning no, curve. No, uh, no I've, uh, I've done a good job on uh, maximizing the learning from bankruptcy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Dan, I certainly appreciate you taking some time to uh, be with us today. And um, I know you're, uh, you, you, you are very intentional with your time. And glad you took some time. Can I, to be ask, you, can I ask you a question? Yes, please do. Uh, you know, you've been around coach. Uh, you know, you've been deeply involved in the process. Is there anything new that uh, caught your attention today from our conversation? Uh, yeah, well, I, yes, actually. And the fact that you talked about it's the support group that you've got, uh, you know, Monday through Friday or seven days a week for, or, back or, at home. Or or how do I relate that to uh, uh, when we're hiring an advisor or an employee? Is Same thing. It's the same thing. It's it's identical. Cause so, so I'm going through my mind thinking, well, this person is going home or this person actually acts like this. But when you look at how they live their life, it's not consistent with it's not consistent with the yeah. advice they're giving. Yep. Yeah. And, you know countries uh you know i mean they're all english speaking you know uh and and our um program is you know we market to the english speaking world um because you you know you have the big countries like uh, us canada and the uk but we also pull in you know from anywhere where britain actually um you know put down their stamp <laughs> in the world the best clients come from the English-speaking world where they have uh, certain attitudes towards private property, towards democracy, and everything else. So if you look at a lot of where our worldwide audience comes from, there's oftentimes, even from India, you know, we, we get um, a lot. To, we, we get more clients from India than we do from continental Europe, okay? Wow. and. Uh, be because there's about 300 million Indians who speak English as their first language, and they have British traditions and everything else. We have Hong Kong, we have Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, and, uh, you know, so uh, we've always known that there's a certain cultural um, bias towards entrepreneurism, towards people doing well in their lives that comes out of the British tradition. And the U.S. is, you know, I mean, the the War of Independence was really the American colonists being really ticked off that they weren't being treated like uh, fellow English people. You know, they just wanted the same advantages and rights as if they were British citizens. And a lot of people don't realize that that was the bone of contention, that uh, they, they were being treated as second-class citizens, but they were as smart, they were as, you know, they were as well-educated, they were as successful as anybody in England, and they weren't being treated properly, and that was the reason for the... And the British learned from that, and so when they established Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, they gave them everything that the American colonists had been asking for and the rest of the British Commonwealth. But uh, I, I just want to say something about the um, uh, path, the thing that you focused as a lesson from this discussion, and that is really check out the environment that they come from, because uh, first of all, they're going to put on a first-class show when they come in to see you, but you have to realize that they've got no support for that show back home. 
and uh, and uh, you have to alert them to that. Are you prepared to change your environment back home to support your uh, to support your personal success? Yep. Um, because you get clapping when you're with us, but you don't get applause mm-hmm. back home. And I said, you spend more time there than you do with us. That is, right. that is, uh, that is, hey, Dan, thank you. You should be very proud of the company that you've built and that the clients that you serve. And, yep. uh, I'm proud to say that, uh, both Scott and I have been able to participate in that. And you I'm changed gl- our lives. Glad you to be part of business. the game changer program that, uh, this year too. So I'll see you in a, Oh, yeah, this is so exciting. I mean, uh, uh, I just did a fabulous podcast on this this morning, which will be going out within the next week. And I really nailed what the Game Changer is all about. And so uh, we'll have you first on the list to receive that. Oh, good. Well, I better, I better make sure I do my homework ahead of time. So, hey, thanks. Yeah, well, thanks. Here, here, here's, here's the thing. Eleonora is sitting right next to me, so I can make all the promises in the world knowing they're going to be carried out because <laughs> I'm not going to be there. Promises <laughs> made. Your work is done, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I just. Uh, she's writing furiously as I <laughs> as, as I sit here. But anyway, it's good to be a, king. This a, yeah, this is a real delight, uh, and I again my great appreciation for giving me this opportunity. Thank uh, you, Dan, thanks, and Dan. hope I have a, a fantastic 2018. Thank you very much. Right, thanks. All right, you've been listening to uh, Scott Hanson and Pat McLean's Advisor to Advisor. And uh, if you'd like some, we've got tons of great podcasts and webinars and whatnot. Just go to advisor2advisor.com. And uh, our goal is to come to you with some good practice management and marketing ideas to help you be more successful with your practice. So thanks for taking time to be with us. The contents of this podcast are exclusively intended for financial professionals. 